Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Tuesday, November the 27th, 2018. It is 8 a.m. New York time. That's 5 a.m. Los Angeles time. 1 p.m. London time and 12 midnight in Sydney, Australia. So wherever you are listening around the world, whether you're listening to the live stream or you're listening to the recorded podcast, we say, hi, how you doing? Hope your Tuesday is a good one or has been a good one, depending on where you are. And we are here to help you get your daily dose of happy so you can be feeling even better about what's going on in your life. Uh, I I received a a couple of uh, messages today, Cindy, from uh, people who were... Um, you know, dealing with, with difficult things. I've been dealing with some pretty difficult things myself, and it was a good reminder to try to answer them. One person wrote how everything was going wrong in their life, and I said, I know what you mean, but what I was realizing is there are things going right in my life, and I forgot about them. Until I remember those things, they aren't yeah. going to go better. And I even started listing some right. of the things that were going right in my life. But we it's so easy to get into that mode, isn't it? I mean, a few things go wrong, and all we can do is focus on those things that go wrong, and well, no, actually, we don't have to focus on the things that go wrong. We can focus on the things that are going right. And if we can't find them immediately, go for the basics. I mean, I always start with, I don't know where you start. I start with, I have food to eat, and I have a, a place to live, and I have a wife who loves me. Those are three good things right there. Exactly. I, I start wherever I am, and I mean mm-hmm. that literally. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sitting in my office, so I just look around and start uh, recognizing all of the things that I appreciate about where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's small things. I have a warm cup of tea right here that I'm really thankful mm. for because it's 37 degrees outside right now. <laughs> and, you know, but just looking around at, like, things that I love, um, because my office is full of beautiful things that I love because I want to be surrounded by things that I think are beautiful. So, mm-hmm. you know, my, my ginormous uh, rose quartz that's on my desk, I think right. you saw the other day. Yep. It's the size of a bowling ball. <laughs> but so, just looking around at things that I appreciate, and like you said, I have a roof over my head, um, a quite a quite lovely place to live, and food to eat, and a beautiful husband, and mm-hmm. you know all of these things. Just technology. We're talking to each other yeah. across the miles with technology today. Absolutely. I'm thankful for that. Yeah. So many things, but the thing I like to remember when it seems like, and making air quotes, things are going wrong, mm-hmm. what if we just reframed that and decided that everything was going right, in spite of some of it being uncomfortable? That's a bit of a reach <laughs> sometimes. That's definitely a bit of a reach, especially if it seems like everything's going wrong. It, it is, and yet, at the same time, what I like to remind myself is that Every really great thing in my life right now, I can trace it back to something that was really awful. Mm. <laughs> it seemed like it was going wrong. Isn't that the truth? If, I mean, we don't yeah. think about that too often. And it's usually unpleasant to think about that, so that's why we don't think about it too often. But nevertheless, yeah, if, if we trace stuff back, usually there is some sort of a negative origin to the whole thing that we can trace it back to. And now all of a sudden that negative thing, for some strange reason, doesn't seem so negative anymore. Right, because it was like the catalyst or it was the twist in the road that led you to where you are, whatever it is. We, we used to joke, uh, when, if something, when, if, probably if, right? Because <laughs> life is full of ups and downs, but right. if something uh, bad happened, something you know, unexpected, something that felt like, oh, no, everything's going wrong. Just grab a bottle of champagne at the store and put it in the refrigerator Mm. and say, okay, you know, this means this means that something really great is on the way (laughs) and we are going to need to celebrate. (laughs) So, yeah, so uh, I'm sorry that, you know, things might be not feeling so great right now. Just remember that right around the corner (laughs) – there's something great. Mm-hmm. And contrast is part of life. It so is. Let the contrast inform you of what you do have that's that's working, what is working, and what you do want to create in the future. Because that's what we're here for. We're here to create. Mm-hmm. And, that's what, and that's what we're literally here for this morning on the podcast, to talk about that's true. actual concrete ways uh, to create reality, to create what we want, right? And we're accessing the work of uh, one of the leaders in the the whole New Thought arena, although apparently he never thought of himself as being part of the New Thought arena, which is kind of interesting. But uh, nevertheless, 
we associate him I with think that. I so, too. <laughs> I'd love to interview Neville sometime about that, uh, because everyone throws him in that category, but you're correct. But, you know, the other thing is, is that things were so different without the technology we have now. Very true. Yeah. So, like, how, you know, we it's easy for us to lump ourselves into categories and groups because we're running all over on social media, right, clicking here and there. And yeah, well, we're, and we're, part of this and, hey. we're live streaming to a group. We're live streaming to the Law of Attraction Change My Life group on Facebook. I mean, there's a perfect right. example of it. <laughs> but when Neville was here, you know, it was not like that. And so right. to be part of a group, I mean, it required travel and I think, I don't even know if in his early life everyone had a telephone, right? So it's like there mm. just was not the communication that we have. Yeah, if you wanted to hear Neville, you had to be in New York City most of the time, and you had to go to this uh, chapel in New York. I can't remember what the official name of the chapel is. The unofficial name is the Old Actors Church, <laughs> which is a really interesting name. <laughs> but you had to know about it. You had to know that uh, he right. was there, that he would he would give his talks during the weekday on, on weekday evenings. And you had to be able to get in because they were usually packed at the gills. And, you know, it was just that that was it. If you didn't have that, forget it. Whereas, you know, today we can talk about Neville across the globe and and people are listening across the globe. It's a huge difference. Right. So it's easy to sort of lump him into some category in hindsight. Mm -hmm. In hindsight, I I had one of my best friends move this weekend. And afterwards, she said, well, I thought I was way ahead of the game, but I guess I could have been better prepared. And I said, (laughs) well, everybody could have been better prepared in hindsight. Right. It's easy to look back and say, why didn't we do this? So I don't know. I I would love to know if Neville considered himself part of any particular group. I don't, I just don't think so. I think he considered himself, believe it or not, I think he considered himself to be a devout Christian. And I think he Uh thought of himself as being in that group, even though most of what he taught would really rub traditional Christians the wrong way. But nevertheless, he thought of himself as being part of the group, which I think is fascinating. Well, it also makes me wonder when we talk about, you know, rubbing traditional Christians. We're think- I mean, probably we're thinking about what we know in now, mm-hmm. right, and in, in the past decade or so. But I'm wondering, because he was, he considered himself a mystic. I know that because we've mm-hmm. read it. He says it. Right. So I'm curious, well, maybe... Back then, was there more, you know, mysticism in mainstream Christianity? I mean, I just don't know. Well, I would say, yeah, there was. I mean, it depends where you were looking. Uh, Most of my uh, historical research has involved the United States because that's where I live. I live in the U.S. Uh, I couldn't tell you what happened globally during that period. But I can tell you, even in the U.S., it depended on where you were. If you lived out in the Midwest... Um, basically, it was like one revival after another. People would gather together for a two or three day thing, and they they'd just be preaching the gospel and and uh, uh, baptizing people in rivers and all kinds of stuff like that. And and it was just it was almost like a a religious party that went on. But it was very um, very very mystically oriented in in that sense, in the sense that they were living their spiritual beliefs. Um, throughout those those, uh, those revivals that were uh, being carried on, and and I can't tell you a whole lot about Christianity in say New York at that time, other than to say it was going through a lot of shakeup, and for very much the same kinds of reasons that we have today. Um, New York, of course, is the home of the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island, where a lot of immigrants came through. Well, immigration is a big issue here in the U.S. today. And right. that and and the issue isn't all that different, um, and and the players aren't all that different because you had these enormous immigrant communities in and around New York City, directly influencing the overall discussion. Whereas it was more homogenous when you got out into the heartland, as it's called, the heartland of the country. That's a really good point, and and knowing that Neville was from Barbados, mm-hmm. and we know at least several times in his adult lifetime that he went back and visited. And then he's got the influence of Abdullah. Right. So there's, there's a lot of different, 
threads, you know, that are weaving their way into network Absolutely. teaching that come yeah. from different places. So it, it's really interesting. Um, yeah. We talk often about all the scripture that Neville uses mm-hmm. and that his explanations of it are probably not mainstream. Mm. Um, they're not the mainstream I knew of. When, But I, it, the thing is, is you were just mentioning his meetings that he had in New York were all in a church. Right. And I, I all... I often wonder if that made a difference. In other words, he's in a church and he's speaking to people that were in a church, and mm-hmm. maybe that's one of the reasons why he brought so much of that into his message. Yeah, and oh, it, wow. it's a Catholic chapel too, which I think is really fascinating because. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can see where I'm going with that, right? Because Catholicism has a very definite take on uh, on what the Christian message and, and the Christian church is all about. They have, they have a hierarchy to it. And here he is coming in and teaching stuff. I'm kind of amazed that whoever uh, the priest or bishop was who oversaw that church, I'm kind of amazed they let him in, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, because well, what he I was think, teaching was really a little different from what they were teaching. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a hat tip to Neville's creative powers yeah. to open that door, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I told somebody yesterday, we were talking about Neville, and I said, well, that my Neville book, my big Neville book, was probably, you know, that the answer to the question of if you if you were stranded on a desert island and you could only bring <laughs> one book, which one would it be? I said probably this one, and they said, yeah, and then a and then an ocean liner would show up a few days later. <laughs> I don't think you'd be stranded very long with that book. This is true. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've um, we've done well. We've we've covered four chapters already. We're mm-hmm. moving right along in the. Power of Awareness book. Yeah, we're up to chapter five. Before we, before we dive into, to begin chapter five, if you've got some promotions that you wanted to do. Yeah, a few messages for our listeners, the usual ones for our regular listeners. They're used to hearing them, but I uh, hope you don't tune them out because especially the second one, we really need you to help participate in. The first one is if you're not yet a subscriber of the podcast, we invite you to become one. And we're trying to get the links for uh, becoming a subscriber built in almost everywhere that these podcast recordings are appearing both in the live stream and in the recorded mode. We don't, for various reasons, we can't get them in everywhere, but wherever we can get them in, we put them in. If you look in the description of the post where you're seeing uh, this podcast, or maybe you're not seeing it in a post, maybe you're seeing it directly in your app. um, We're trying to put links in there, but if you don't see a link, um, just go to the homepage of the website, LOAToday.net. And right there on the homepage, there are two big icons, one for, iPhone and iPad and iPod users and one for Android users, which pretty much covers most people's usage because most people are using smartphones these days. And just click the one that's appropriate for you and it'll walk you right through the process. And just like that, you'll be a subscriber. And once you're a subscriber, of course, all the episodes come streaming to your device every single time that we publish them. Now, once you're listening or once you're a subscriber, make sure you listen. That's the other thing. Make sure you're actually tuning in. It doesn't do any good to be a subscriber if you're not actually listening to the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and then once you listen, you know, share the fact that you're listening on social media because that's probably how people, how, that's probably how you found it. Um, most likely you found it because somebody posted somewhere on social media that they were listening and you saw it and you clicked something or you, you wish, watched something live or whatever and liked what you saw, and became a subscriber. Well, you pass it along, right? Somebody did you a favor, do do somebody else a favor, even if you don't know who it's going to be. Um, and in that way, we help pass along to the masses the idea that they can get their daily dose of happy and they can attract into their lives what they want to attract and get some support in doing that. And that's what we're all about here. So please subscribe, please share, please uh, you know continue to listen. And also, you know, as as uh, Cindy likes to say, keep those cards and letters coming. <laughs> it's like an old TV yes. uh, or radio cliche, but um, no, it, it's still true today. We love it. We've been getting more and more contacts from people, and and uh, very likely we'll even feature you on one of the podcasts when we when we address whatever it is that you're bringing up. Um, but we love hearing from listeners, and I, I want to hear things like what kinds of, of shows would you like us to to bring on? What kind of topics would you like us to address? What's going on in your life? Have have you had uh, you know, wonderful manifestations that have happened, or are you frustrated because it's not working out for you and you're trying to figure out what to fix, or you know, whatever it is, just share with us what you're doing. Um, lots of ways to reach us. You can do it by sending me an email directly. My email is walt at loatoday.net. 
Um, you can also go through the website, LOAToday.net. There's a contact page there. Um, we have our, our page on Facebook, LOA Today. Um, you, you can look each one of us up, all of our, all, all 10 of us co-hosts. Um, you can look for, look us up and, and, uh, send us a message through Facebook or Messenger or, you know, whatever social media you want. You can tweet to us. But contact us, whatever, whichever way you met, you, you choose to reach out to us, contact us because we really do love to hear from you. So there's our messages for the day. Wonderful. Yes. Send us a message. We, we love it. It's yes. wonderful. And I was, I was looking, uh, our Twitter handle, handle is, at LOA Today Radio. Right, that's right. Yeah, I couldn't get LOA Today. Somebody had already taken that one. But I figured, well, this is kind of like radio, so let's call it LOA Today Radio. <laughs> it, it is. It's, yeah. it's radio for 2018. Yep, that's right. <laughs> and, yeah, and I don't know if all of the co-hosts are on Twitter, but I am. Mm-hmm. So you can tweet to me as well. Yeah. Um, send us messages. It's wonderful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you were mentioning the truth that sets you free. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the chapter title for chapter five of Neville's The Power of Awareness. Mm-hmm. Every time I see the truth that sets you free, I think about I think it was Gloria Steinem's quote that said, uh, "The truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. <laughs> and, and you know, we were we were talking about today about things. Quote, going wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And I know I've had more than one person say to me when they found out about how the law of attraction works that they did the forehead slap, you know, kind yeah. of like, oh, so I created this mess. <laughs> I, I created, I attracted this. <laughs> that, that's actually the most difficult, challenging thing for me to recognize I created whatever this mess is that I'm dealing with. And not get down on myself about it. It's like, oh God, I did it again. Oh no. Where's, where's my positive aspect? There's gotta be one here. (laughs) Right. But here's the reframe. And that is that you, you created it. We attracted it. Whatever we, we brought these situations into our life. If we will go back to like always assume positive intent Mm -hmm. that we are taking care of ourselves the best way we can. We're protecting mm-hmm. ourselves. There's some payoff in there for us. There's oh, yeah. some counterintention because part of us wants to experience that, even though the other part of us may be seen as this contrast. So it's like, well, I'm a powerful creator. Look what mm-hmm. I've made here. This is true. <laughs> this is no. It's actually very true. We do. We are powerful creators, and it, and that is actually one of the best positives to take away whenever we're in a negative situation, where you know, we just don't like what's going on. That. I'm thinking of that person who uh, contacted me. It was about uh, it was through the comments of one of the videos we did yesterday. Um, in that comment, she said everything's going wrong, and I'm thinking to myself, I probably one of the things I probably should have said was congratulations. Look at all that you have created. It may not have been what you intended to create, but you create all of that. That shows just how powerful you are. It's a good thing to remember. You know, even though we don't like necessarily what we've created, we did create it and that shows our power. It demonstrates to us because we can't deny that power. You know, it may not be one that that we like the result of, but the power is undeniable. The power is magnificent. Recently, I saw a video that it was like a montage of little videos and they were all of little children who had made huge messes Mm -hmm. or got into something, you know, and the parent walked in and started filming on their phone or whatever. Right. And there was one where the camera's following this trail on the ground of dirt. And at first it's like, what happened here? Did someone with really dirty shoes, muddy shoes, you know, walk through this carpet? It just keeps following and then it gets worse and it gets worse. And then there's this little kid in the corner with three big potted plants digging away and it's planting and planting and it's just gardening right but like right in a living room just happily just creating over there and the mom is just like oh and i think that's us sometimes right you know Mm -hmm. we came here to learn things and we're we're creating all kinds of things and sometimes we create big messes Well, one person's mess apparently is another person's joy. Right, that's the point I'm making. Yeah. It's like find the joy in there. Recognize, okay, if I here was the big aha for me one day, realizing, okay, awesome. If I created all of this, then I can create anything. Mm-hmm. I, I can create anything. Yeah. 
I just was creating without really knowing it. That little child didn't know what a big mess they were making. <laughs> they were just creating away. So sometimes if we'll recognize the power that we have to create and just point that focus in a different direction and recognize that whatever whatever we've attracted or created that has seemed painful, that has seemed so unwanted, uh, eventually there's something that we learned in that process. There's some treasure in there mm, that yeah. is going to be really, really valuable to us moving forward. This, this is true. Right. So this it's, is true. it's all good. Yep. Let's see. All right. So the truth that sets you free. Okay. Uh, the drama of life is a psychological one in which all the conditions, circumstances, and events of your life are brought to pass by your assumptions. <laughs> Boy, did we just talk about that or what? <laughs> right. <laughs> Since your life is determined by your assumptions, you are forced to recognize the fact that you're either a slave to your assumptions or their master. That's exactly what we we're talking about. Mm -hmm. right? To become the master of your assumptions is the key to undreamed of freedom, and happiness. You can attain this mastery by deliberate, conscious control of your imagination. You determine your assumptions in this way. Now, he's going to get into the nuts and bolts of how we do this. Mm -hmm. But I, I want to make, really, really put the emphasis again on that sentence. You can attain this mastery by deliberate, conscious control of your imagination. Okay. Well, I think of how many times we make a comment like, my mind wandered, mm -hmm. or my imagination got carried away, Yeah. <laughs> um, right? And he's talking about deliberately controlling, consciously <clears throat> controlling our imagination. It mm -hmm. takes some practice. It does. Yeah, no right? doubt about it. So he says, this is the way. Form a mental picture, a mental image, a picture of the state desired. Of the person you want to be. Concentrate your attention upon the feeling that you are already that person. First, visualize the picture in your consciousness. Then, feel yourself to be in that state as though it actually formed your surrounding world. By your imagination, that which was a mere mental image is changed into a seemingly solid reality. So let's let's use an actual real world example to to discuss that last piece there because we actually have a comment from Shireen who says, "How do you defeat depression and anxiety?" And she says she's currently on meds. So let let let's try to apply what we just read to her situation. Okay, so when he talks about putting your attention upon the feeling that you're already that person, mm -hmm. this is something we talked about in the past weeks that I kind of do this every year because I decide what do I want to create next year? Mm. What do I want to create in my business? What do I want to create in my life? What do I want my life to look like? And so who would that person be that had those things already? Concentrating attention upon the feeling that you're already that person. In Shireen's example of dealing with anxiety and depression, my I'm making the presumption that the person that you would want to be was someone who was experiencing less anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. So just asking yourself, what would it what would it be like? What right. would that person be like if I had and I wouldn't go to the degree of jumping from down in that spot to at the the very height of the emotional range of joy, you know, I wouldn't go there at all. Um, that would be like saying to me, who who spends a lot of time in an office chair, saying, what if I were to get up and run a marathon this afternoon? That's just <laughs> not going to happen. I would end up in the hospital, right? Mm. I, it wouldn't happen because uh, I haven't trained for it. Right. So I would, say, I would say, what would it be like if I was already the person that had a little bit less of this anxiety and depression? Mm -hmm. What would it be like to have a little less? I mean, that's where I would go. <laughs> And how does it feel? How does it feel to be to be less depressed? In fact, how would we frame that? How would we phrase that? How would, how would well, we describe the, that feeling? Okay, well, here's the thing 
that I think is important to remember. When we use the word feeling that way, where we're talking about emotional states, that's sometimes difficult. It is. To create a different emotional state mm -hmm. out of nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that it's impossible. Right. Uh, but when but when we're feeling down, sometimes that's difficult. Mm -hmm. So I actually would kind of frame it in a different way and begin to ask myself, see how it says the next sentence, visualize the picture in your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And then feel yourself to be in that state right. as though it actually formed your surrounding world. Mm -hmm. So the questions that I would ask myself were, what would I be doing differently if I was feeling a little bit less anxiety, yeah, if I was it. feeling less anxious, if yeah. I was feeling less depressed, what would I, what would I maybe be more motivated to do or inspired to do? And it may be something small, mm -hmm. right? It's like, well, I, and I don't know, a different thought's going to come to each person, but maybe I would go for a walk mm -hmm. or maybe I would, I don't know, clean out my closet or maybe I would go see a movie or maybe I would, you know, get up and fix myself lunch. I mean, whatever it is, something that maybe I'm prevented from doing because I just don't feel well enough or just mm -hmm. don't feel good, just mm -hmm. don't have the energy or the motivation. Maybe if I felt a little bit better, I would feel like doing this. And you can imagine doing that thing, being the person that's feeling well enough to do that thing. Right, because we, we've talked end, about this before. We've talked about how feeling does not have to be about the emotion. It can be about the sensation can be about and the, that's where the, I'm the going with touch. that, right? Yeah. So it's like if I were if I were feeling up to doing that thing, what would I be feeling? And I I mean literally feeling, like with my hands and feet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what sensations would be there? Maybe I would, you know, feel some kind of tool or utensil in my hand. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I'm going for a walk and I can smell the fresh air and I can feel my feet on the ground. So I'm feeling myself to be in the state as though it's forming my surrounding world. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like I talked about the, the vignette I created where we were in a particular restaurant and I could hear the kind of low level crowd chatter of the people in the restaurant around me and like the tinkling glasses and, you know, <laughs> little sounds that you hear. And I could right. feel my hands on the tablecloth and what the tablecloth felt like. I could feel my feet on the floor so all of those things don't depend on me having, like, this extra joyous emotion going on. Mm -hmm. They're just feelings that they're with my, with my hands and feet and sensation, hearing things, seeing things, tasting things. So I would go there with it. I would feel yourself to be in that state as though it actually formed your surrounding world. Mm -hmm. that's, what, that's how I would apply it to wanting to change that situation. And as he points out, by your imagination, that which was once, which was a mere mental image is changed into a seemingly solid reality. That's what you're describing. You're describing that new seemingly solid reality. Right. So he goes on to say, and I hope that answered the question. Well, I think it does. Uh, if, by the way, I also have to, do, I have to do a shout out because um, our, our co-host Anne-Marie is uh, tuned in. So I want to say hello to Anne-Marie because uh, Yay, um, whenever, hello, Anne -Marie. whenever somebody tunes in, I got to say hello, but especially if it's a co-host, yeah. <laughs> so he goes on to say the great secret is a controlled imagination now see there's that word again and the reason why i keep emphasizing it is because i want people to keep practicing and i want to keep practicing i want mm -hmm. us to realize that this there's mastery involved here mm -hmm. and so it takes practice yep it certainly does a controlled imagination and a well-sustained attention firmly and repeatedly Focused on the object to be accomplished. I like that phrase, a well-sustained be... well attention. That, yeah. Uh, that, that is really jumping out at me these days, that, that kind of phrasing, because I've, I've really begun to realize that there is a direct connection between feeling a situation in the sense that we were just talking about, not so much emotionally feeling it, but sensory feeling it, you know, feeling the tablecloth, you know, hearing the mm -hmm. sounds of the restaurant and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, there's a direct connection between focusing on that imagined feeling and over time, as we focus on it, emotional feelings emerging. Um, so, yes. you know, if we're imagining like we're, we're Shireen and we're, and we're trying to overcome some depression and anxiety 
And so one of the things we decided to do is to go take that walk, right? So we're taking the walk, and as we're taking the walk, if we're just staying in our head about feeling depressed and anxious, then it's not going to do us a whole lot of good. But if we get out of our head long enough to experience, you know, what's going on around us, are we in nature, are we in a city, are we in a rural area, um, what are we seeing, are we seeing trees, are we seeing animals, what are we seeing, what are we experiencing, are there smells in the air? And as we're, we're experiencing this stuff, the more attention we put on that, and by more I mean longer, longer duration, over enough period of time, we will start to feel an emotional response as well. And and I it, I don't know why this all of a sudden is making a big difference to me, but lately I've been really thinking about that fact. I don't have to have an emotional response right away. If I stick with the focus, the well-sustained attention, the emotional response will show up, and that's how I'll know that I'm spending enough time on it. Well, you know... Neville goes on to say it cannot be emphasized too much. And I'm I'm like, yes, exactly, just what you're saying. Because I think that sometimes the, um, the lack of emotional response is the thing that causes people to quit. Yes. Like, well, I did that, and I didn't feel any different. Exactly. I did that, and I still felt frustrated. I still felt down. I still felt, That's me. you know, hopeless. <laughs> I've done that and many times. Right? And it's like that, what you just said about, in, in Neville's words, a controlled imagination and a well-sustained attention firmly and repeatedly focused on the object to be accomplished. Mm -hmm. It's being willing to do that in spite of the emotions that we're feeling right or the, the lack of shift of emotions right away mm -hmm. uh, because i think we hear that a lot yeah I, it didn't nothing changed so i stopped exactly well, this is the place where we don't give up this is the place where we keep on um repeatedly focusing on what we want to accomplish and i think that recognizing that the emotional part will it will come it will it will show up if we give it just enough attention. Now, yeah. Just focus now on the physical sensation of and, your vision. And that's what I'm trying to use now. I'm, even I'm, if you're meditating. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to use the idea that if I focus for a greater sustained amount of time, I will eventually get an emotional response. And it's a way of, of keeping myself at it because I get an immediate reward out of it. Not immediate, but I get a relatively soon reward. You know, I have my reward for sticking with it, for sticking with, I'm going to pay attention, I'm going to pay attention, <laughs> right. I'm going to pay attention. And and that, that makes it easier, I find, especially if I'm coming from a place like Sharina's where I'm not feeling really good at all. I, but I, when I'm in that place, I need to have that, that, that success. I mean, you talked about it, how um, very often if we don't get that immediate sense of success, we feel like we failed and you know, like none of this stuff is working. Well, this is a way to help feel like it really is working because we're generating feelings that weren't there 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute ago, two minutes ago, whatever it was. You know, maybe five minutes ago. Maybe, 10, maybe it takes 15 minutes before you finally get an emotion that comes out of it. But by sticking with it, the emotion comes out and we won. We actually made progress. Well, and you know, it may take longer. It may. I mean, we know that meditating a lot of times a guided meditation is 20 minutes or longer true yeah. why because it takes us that long to get our brain waves into that meditative space yeah exactly so right keeping with it staying with the focus on whatever it is that you know your outcome is picturing feeling yourself into it um the emotional shift will come mm -hmm. i don't even think you don't have to chase it right it will come it will come to you Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's see what where he's going here. I'm going to let you read. I have a cat I have to let out, so you, you read now. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay, kitty. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. Let's see. So the great secret is a controlled imagination and a well-sustained attention firmly and repeatedly focused on the object to be accomplished. It cannot be emphasized too much that by creating an ideal within your mental sphere... By assuming that you are already that ideal, you identify yourself with it and thereby transform yourself into its image. 
thinking from the ideal instead of thinking of the ideal. Mm. Every state is already there as mere possibilities as long as we think of them, but as overpoweringly real when we think from them. And when Neville talks about thinking from or thinking of, we can go back to that um, example that he gave where he said, picture yourself climbing a ladder. Right. He says, act like you're watching yourself climb a ladder, right? And that's thinking of the ideal. I'm, I'm watching myself, and I'm kind of over there like I'm a movie, and there I go up the ladder. But mm -hmm. when you're thinking from the ideal, that's when he says, now imagine there's a ladder in front of you. Reach out with your hands and grab it. Start putting your feet on the rungs. Now mm -hmm. I'm thinking from the space. When, when he uses this in a geographical sense in his own story when he wanted to go to Barbados, he wanted to be with his family for the holidays in Barbados. He had no money. He was in New York. He had no way to get there. This was back in the, you know, day before there was technology where he needed to take a steamship right. or a, you know, a, a ship to get there. Um, he would fall asleep at night imagining that he was in Barbados, that he was falling asleep in his bed in his father's house. So he was thinking from this, the ideal, mm -hmm. picturing that he was already there. And that's what he's talking about here. This was called by the ancient teachers subjection to the will of God or resting in the Lord. And the only true test of resting in the Lord is that all who do rest are inevitably transformed into the image of that in which they rest, thinking from the wish fulfilled. Mm -hmm. yep. I have to say I've talked to several people in the last week, um, and some of them have been listening to the podcast, mm. and they've talked to me about little vignettes that they've created oh. um, about something that's going to happen. And I love hearing these ideas. Um, you know, we we had the uh, suggestion to imagine that we're reaching out, shaking the hand of a friend that's congratulating us. Right. You know, when we're doing that, we're thinking from the point of, I've already gotten that promotion. Yeah. It's not off in the future. It's right there. I'm shaking the hand of someone. And someone was telling me about the story that they had created where someone was giving them a hug. Mm -hmm. and congratulating them and telling yeah. them what a great job you've done, right? Mm -hmm. So all of those ideas are, we're already there in consciousness. We're That's already true. there. Yeah. I, 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 he calls it the difference between of and from. I think of it as the difference between observing and participating. Because when we're the participant, then the image that we're, we're creating in our mind, the vignette, is not just real. It's real for us as part of our lives. When we're the observer... It could happen over there and not be a part of our lives at all. So that's why I think right. it's so important and to be from instead of of, because from is the participant level. Well, I think the other important part to recognize with participant and the of from difference is that take Neville, for example, when he wanted to go to Barbados, he did not picture himself on a ship. Mm. He did not picture himself standing in the station waiting for a train or right. standing in the dock waiting for a ship. He didn't picture himself on a ship sailing to Barbados. He pictured himself in Barbados from, he was thinking from the absolute outcome, from his goal. He was already there. He time traveled all the way to the place he wanted to be. That's important because if you're, if you're sitting in the, uh, uh, the station waiting for the train, and, and that's what your image is, you're always going to be sitting in the station waiting for the train. The train's never actually going to take you to the destination because you're constantly be, going to be sitting in the station waiting for the train. I was, I think it's in one of the Neville chapters. I was reading something recently. Maybe you'll remember where it was, but it was talking about a, a person who said he wanted to have his hand on a million dollars. Hmm. I think that was the phrase, I want to get my hands, or I want a million dollars in my hands. And he got a job working in a bank. Yeah. <laughs> where every day he was passing millions of dollars oh, in his yes. hands. Like, okay, so we need to think, 
we need to be specific about thinking of the end goal that we want and putting ourselves there in this vision and not just on the way there. <laughs> I think that's important. When I was young, I worked as a bank teller. I worked in a bank. And I've been through that experience of, you know, on a a big bank day, usually like the first of the month where, uh, you know, people are coming in to get their Social Security checks or their it's a Friday and people are coming in and getting their paychecks, cash and so forth. So lots and lots of cash is running through your hands. And I got to tell you, unless you take the time to actually use that, that experience to visualize something you want, all you end up with is just a bland experience of passing a bunch of bills back and forth. You know, having the money in your hand actually doesn't do for you, anything for you at all in that circumstance because you're just passing well, bills and, back and forth. Right, and that's why I use that as an example because a lot of times when people are wanting money, um, they haven't gone the extra step to determine what they would do with it. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and I think that's why I think it seems that Neville doesn't talk about money a lot but it's because he's going past it and he's going farther and looking at what he would do with it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate right? that. I mean, he didn't, he, he wasn't envisioning himself receiving a check so that he could buy this, the ticket to go to Barbados. Mm -hmm. And some of us would do that, but he just went right to the end result. I think that's important to remember. It's a okay. good point. And it's a, it's a good point for a couple of reasons. One is we most of us, I would say probably all of us, to one degree or another, believe that we need to earn the money first before we can spend it. And because of that, what is really a limiting belief, because of that belief, until we've earned the money, spending it doesn't have the kind of potency we, we want it to have because we're, we're always thinking in the back of our mind, yeah, but I got to earn it first. And so we don't put our, our, our full heart into it. Whereas if we can pull up, put our full heart and mind and thoughts into the joy involved in uh, have, spending the money and actually arriving in Barbados to spend the holiday with your family, which is what he was trying to do in that particular case. Um, it, it, if, I, if he had allowed himself to just spend any of that time focusing on, yeah, but I got to earn the money first. He would never right. have. He would never have gotten it. It never would have happened. We're so many steps back when we do that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so he says, "You become according to your resigned will. You become. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you become according to your resigned will, and your resigned will is your concept of yourself and all that you consent to, and accept as true. You." assuming the feeling of your wish fulfilled and continuing therein, take upon yourself the results of that state. Not assuming the feeling of your wish fulfilled, you are ever free of the results. <laughs> mm, yes. What we just said. That's not really the freedom that most of us want. Not really, no. <laughs> yeah. Not what we had when in mind. <laughs> when you understand the redemptive function of imagination, you hold in your hands the key to the solution of all your problems. That's a pretty powerful statement. Mm -hmm. The redemptive function of imagination. I love that he uses that word because he's telling us that we can correct whatever we feel is not right. We can fix it. You're talking about redemptive. We can, re we can redeem it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. The function of our imagination. So that's the key, the key to the solution of all of our problems but we have to remember when we go back up that we're talking about being focused and being willing to repeat the focus the, over and over. The word redemptive. Well-sustained attention. <laughs> Well-sustained attention, that's right. The, right. the the word redemptive is an interesting choice, too. Um, I can recall the first times in my young life when I heard redeeming redeeming was where you had uh you know some local store had some sort of a thing going on where where they wanted you to buy a lot of stuff in their store so they would uh give you uh things like what, what they used to call green stamps and you collect your green stamps you put them into books and then you would redeem the books of green stamps for some extra items so it was a way of of getting you to keep buying stuff and then if you buy enough stuff they'll give you you know more free stuff um and when I when I understand from that perspective what redeeming is, redeeming becomes I am building up 
my my thing that I'm collecting, like this this thing I'm accumulating. Accumulating in, in that case, it was green stamps, so that I can redeem something. Well, in this case, what I'm trying to redeem is all of this, uh, perhaps angst or frustration or whatever that I've that I've been building up where it hasn't worked out the way I wanted it to. But if I can redeem it, I can redeem it and turn it into the focus on what it is that I do want. I can turn the situation around. And, and so that's what, I don't know if that's what you think about. I, that's what I think of when I think of in terms of redeeming, re, redeem the, the redemptive function of imagination. Yeah, I think it's turning it around. I think it's mm-hmm. fi- correcting it, fixing it. Well, as a matter of fact, we were talking about last night about a particular movie we had watched because we saw, we saw an actor in a movie and, you know, the conversation was like, wait, wasn't this the same actor that was in this other movie that we watched? Yeah, we started talking about it. And the character in the original movie we started discussing was a not very nice person. And he was the, the love interest of the main character and he had, you know, treated her badly and cheated on her. And, mm. and, and the question that was asked was, but wait a minute, by the end, did he ever redeem himself? Mm. Right? It's like he was a, he was playing a character that we all didn't like right away because he was just rude and just, you know, not a nice person. And so that was the question. Did he redeem himself by the end? In other words, did he turn it around? Did he did he come to his senses? Did right. he learn some kind of lesson and become a better person where at the, by the end of the story or the end of the movie we said, oh, okay, well, see, he saw the error of his ways and now he's going in a different direction. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's what redeeming is. It's turning it around. Mm-hmm. And knowing that our imagination has the ability to redeem <laughs> our life, right? Mm-hmm. It has sure. the key to the solution to the problems. It's like, okay, we can turn this thing around. And what's the key? The key is controlled imagination and being willing to have a well-sustained attention which he's going to talk about again uh, coming up here. Right. He says every phase of your life is made by the exercise of your imagination. Determined imagination. There's another word, determined. Alone is the means of your progress, of the fulfilling of your dreams. It is the beginning and end of all creating. The great secret is a controlled imagination and a well-sustained attention firmly and repeatedly focused on the feeling of the wish fulfilled until it fills the mind and crowds out all other ideas of consciousness. What greater gifts could be given you than to be told the truth that will set you free? The truth that sets you free is that you can experience in imagination what you desire to experience in reality. And by maintaining this experience and imagination, your desire will become an actuality. Now, I want to tie this back to what Shireen had raised earlier. She had raised the question about uh, trying to defeat depression and anxiety. Um, and we, we uh, explored what's involved in that. Um, one of the things that I know happens a lot, particularly if I'm in a really depressed state. I mean, she's just dep- dep- she's describing a depressed state is I have trouble even remembering to imagine when I'm in that state. I, I, I forget what the tool is. It's like the tool escapes right. my mind. And then if I can somehow grab hold and say, oh, yeah, I've got to somehow assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. i got to somehow get into that space. How do I do that? Oh, yes. I have to create the scene. How do I create the scene? And eventually maybe I can remember, oh, I have to imagine it. That's right, like a little kid imagines something. And then I say, okay, so I've got to imagine this scene, the, the, this, this, this thing that I want. How do I imagine it again? <laughs> because I'm in such a depressed state. I've, it, it's almost like the whole mental process just comes screeching to a halt, and it's like dragging it through molasses trying to get the whole thing going. So I'm curious, what, uh, what, what's, your, what's your technique? What's your, what's your approach whenever you're, you're dealing with you know, being in a really bad state and, and you're having trouble remembering what, what it is you're supposed to be doing and then you do remember and you just can't seem to remember how to do it? Well, how, how do you get through that? Well, first I want to say that I, I have not dealt with that level of anxiety and depression. Okay. And I recognize that there are many things can, that can lead to that and lend themselves to that mm-hmm. state. And so, you know, first, 
make sure that you're getting the support that you need, mm. um, whether it's medical support, family support, you know, some kind of therapy, group support, a coach, whatever. I mean, reach out and get what you need to to be helpful there. Um, a lot of people struggle with this, and there's a lot of help out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing I would say, what I do to remember, because, sure, even though I haven't dealt with anxiety and depression at that level, I've certainly dealt with feeling blue and being down in the dumps and struggling to feel better about it. Um, but like I said, I've, I've got a reminder on my phone <laughs> that says, assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled mm-hmm. that I have set to be a push notification on my phone three times a day. And so that's one of the ways is I'm just reminding myself to take, you know, 30 seconds 60 seconds, like we've talked about over and over, these little scenes that we create, uh, the wish fulfilled scene, your wish fulfilled, create a scene Mm -hmm. that that would, if you typed it out like a screenplay, it would just be a couple of sentences. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've talked about, we've talked about shaking the hand of a friend, hugging a friend, hearing a friend tell us congratulations. My little vignette, we were celebrating in a restaurant. Very, very short. I can tell you in a sentence or two, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have that one thing that you've kind of created and you've got a reminder telling you to tap into that vision and assume that feeling for a few seconds, uh, that's been really useful to me is just to have the reminder come up. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I actually um, run into this quite often. Um, I think it's partly because there was a long stretch in my life where – I mean, it was just, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was definitely depressed. And I was depressed for extended periods of time. I didn't have meds because I never really recognized it. Certainly nobody ever diagnosed it as depression or anything like that. And you experience that enough, you do get to the point where you learn the helplessness of depression. And I think that's really what happens. Um, so that, you know, on those occasions where I, maybe I wake up in the morning, I'm not really waking up feeling great and... I, I'm thinking about the, the trials and cares and tribulations in my life. And all of a sudden I find I can't get out of it. Like, Oh my God, how do I get out of this again? I literally can't remember for a moment what, you know, that I'm supposed to imagine that I'm supposed to, whoa, my chair just collapsed, uh, that I'm supposed to, uh, you know, get myself into a better feeling place that I'm supposed to create a new vignette or whatever. Or, or if I do remember, I can't remember what the vignette's supposed to be. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm here. I am sitting in depression. Okay, I'm supposed to create a vignette. What's the vignette of? I can't even remember what the vignette is. You know, so, right. so I, I was when you were saying that before. I was thinking, well, it it reminded me of the idea of a vision board. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but a vision board with not in the maybe usual way that people make them. Mm-hmm. You know, but a vision board in a way of thinking of an image or two mm-hmm. that would remind you. Of the vignette. Yeah, sure. Right? Well, like, I, if your vignette is that you're taking a walk through a forest and feeling great out in nature, then maybe it's just some trees or a squirrel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, something you might see, right? Blue sky. Um, if my vignette, like I said, was in a restaurant. So if, if I needed a reminder, maybe it would be a picture of, of a restaurant. Or, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just I'm brainstorming, but... Some ideas to have a visual cue for you. Mm-hmm. Um, other things people do are maybe pick out a particular, um, I don't know, something that you can keep with you in your pocket mm-hmm. um, or a piece of jewelry that you can wear. Some people wear those kind of like rubber bands around their wrist. Um, anything that will just remind you. Because here's the thing is that's what's so beautiful about this method in these short little vignettes is that once you do this and use that focused attention and do it over and over repeatedly, this one short little scene, your brain starts remembering it automatically. It gets Mm -hmm. harder and harder to forget it when you're feeling down. And so if we give ourselves some reminders and we take the time to do it and remember that the goal is the process. And you can use your sensory feelings and not worry about emotion at this point. Yes. And the emotion will follow. So that's, you know, it, it, it doesn't take long, but set yourself up for success 
by giving yourself reminders and visual cues so that you'll do the work. And it also, the, the thing that I found works best for me, because I'm not a terribly visual person, so visual cues often don't help a whole lot for me, although I just got a visual uh, push notice that, that came up reminding me we're nearing the end of the show, so that does help sometimes. But, <laughs> I mean, in general, if I'm dealing with, um, uh, especially if I'm dealing with a depressed kind of situation, uh, the visual cues don't necessarily help me a whole lot, mainly because I, I don't, that's not my go-to thing, go thing to do, to go look at something. Um, but what has helped me is doing the podcasts, and not so much the podcasts themselves, but the repetition that comes from them. So we talk a lot about Neville. We go through his books page by page. Well, in, in the process of doing that, we're getting, we're touching over and over and over again because Goddard and, and uh, Abraham and most of the great teachers are very repetitive. You know, they keep touching the same subjects over and over and over again. So yeah. I hear often enough us talking about things like, well, you want to imagine it like a child imagines it. And by hearing that over and over again and reading it over and over again, eventually it gets to the point that when I do find myself in that depressed state, oh, yeah, I have to imagine something. That's right. What is it I'm imagining? Oh, there's a vignette. What's the vignette? And I, I can actually walk it back very carefully because I've been spending all this time repeating repeating to myself and, and exploring uh, either myself or with somebody like you all these different ideas over and over again, over again, so that they are more readily accessible. And just like you described, if you have um, a particular vignette that you've been practicing a lot, then that vignette starts to come back. Like, oh, yeah, that was the vignette I was doing. Well, oh, that's yeah. the point, right? It's not to make 500 vignettes. It's exactly. to make one. To make one. To do it over and over, yeah. right? And Post-it notes are another really great tool, mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like with a word or a phrase on it that reminds you of your vignette, or if there's a word, like Neville says, if your friend is congratulating you and says congratulations and you say thank you, that you may want to imagine that as you're falling asleep and just keep repeating thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you is the cue, right? So if you're not, um, if visual cues don't help much, how about words, verbal cues? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I have a, post-it note right here that I can see that says you are powerful and it's it's at eye level near my computer uh, because it's a reminder it's a reminder to to do this work yeah right? yeah it takes practice be easy with yourself let it be easy <laughs> and then do it over and over and over that, that, that's the advanced form of climbing out of this is, is letting it be easy because it's so easy to be hard on ourselves when we aren't getting that quick answer what was that thing i was supposed to be doing oh god gosh why can't i think of that thing you know it's so easy to go down that road but no you're right you can't go down that road you just have to be a little patient and, and be kind to yourself and let it come up and when you do it comes faster that's the other thing yes absolutely right? you know yeah oh yeah um we're down to about a minute and a half left and i want to make sure i always get this in because i often forget sometimes i forget it with you and you you're the one who deserves this the most of all my co-hosts but how does somebody reach out to Cindy Chavez in case they need to get a little personal attention with this kind of thing? Well, they can reach out to me at my website, cindychavez.com. It's C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z.com. And there's a contact form there. You can email me at cindy at cindychavez.com or tweet at me or <laughs> uh, lots of different ways. Just reach out. And give me a shout. I'd love to hear from you. Okay. Let me know what what you're, you know, what you're appreciating about the podcast, and maybe what you'd like to hear. And if you need some personal attention, I can do that too. So just love to hear from you. Sounds good. Okay. And uh, we didn't quite finish the chapter. We're actually very near the end, but we'll finish that up um, tomorrow, and we'll pick up on chapter six, which is attention. That's kind of what we've been talking <laughs> about: how to build that attention level. So yeah, right? <laughs> we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Don't give up. We, yeah, well, we 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 can't give up. We got twenty seven chapters. We've only done five of them so far. We got to keep going. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> Which is all a good thing, and it's a lot more fun when we're doing it with with others because you know whether it's you and me just doing the talking ourselves, or you know we've got listeners who are traveling along. That just makes it so much more fun. So yeah, let's it all is. do it together. So okay, well then uh, I look forward to talking with you tomorrow morning. I will be back tomorrow morning. And we will as well. We hope that you'll join us next time as well here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.